You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left taller. Jab Productions present Edge of Sports bit. Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarn. Joined as always. By a man who's got to be feeling a little bit of the old deflated balls today. Uh, his name is Dan Baker. DB, you thought we could retire these jokes, but every time we think we're out, Tom Brady pulls us back in. I probably thought we were probably done. You, you can't be, though. Not when Ted Wells puts out a report almost three times as long as the Justice Department report on the killing of Mike Brown in Ferguson. When you live in a world where that happens, the deflated balls return. As always, joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. How you doing, coach? Go, Dave. You sound like you're on fire, baby. Do your thing. Uh, not really on fire. More like one of those uh, synthetic burners that they put in the uh, fireplace. So it's like you think you have a family fire, but in reality, it's just like something you switch on and off. That's more where I'm at right now. Okay. And joined by Mean Mark Barry, who's going to have his own segment today. How you doing, Mean Mark? I'm excited. I'm hoping not not let it down. I mean, draft weekend, man. Man, if your approach is, I hope I'm not going to let it down. I mean, it's going to happen. It be your approach. It's totally happening. Pitiful, pitiful. The one place where we can learn something from Jameis Winston is please be oblivious to what everybody thinks about you. 
Mm. As long as you're that mark, you're going to do just fine. Yeah, I don't have any crab legs, though, man. No crab legs, <laughs> indeed. Jameis Winston, I would put 10 to 1 odds that the word crabs and Jameis have nothing to do with legs. <laughs> but, hey, we got blow. a great show this week. Blow, we're we're blow. a show of character assassination. I love <laughs> it. Absolutely. Line them up, <laughs> knock them down, baby. We got a hell of a show this week. Check us out. First, we're going to talk some Deflate Gate because mm. there's a lot of angles, a lot of what have yous. I would like some what thoughts happens? on this from the general Hoy Poloi here. <laughs> Secondly, I want to talk about last Saturday you? night. I really do. Who are you calling a hoi poi or whatever you hoi just poi, said? Hoi poi, hoi poi. <laughs> I thought that was a Hawaiian dish or something. Man, that's some poi. <laughs> Man, the only thing you know, the only thing you know about Hawaii is when you come in here and you sneak out some tiny bubbles. If you catch my drift. I uh, know I don't. Wow. I lost that one too. Someone light a match. <laughs> wow. The second thing is we're going to talk about last Saturday night. Mayweather Pacquiao, why I didn't watch, why I almost watched it. It's a hell of a story. Can't wait to talk yeah, to all about that. that right? I want to hear that. And one. Then, I boycotted it as you well know. Oh, I yes. said that last week. So. And then mean Mark. Right. Talking draft. All right. Thumbs up, thumbs down, Mark. We'll be back after this. I got Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. I am disappointed in the way this entire matter has been handled and reported upon. We expect hard facts as opposed to circumstantial leaked evidence to drive the conclusion of this investigation. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here in Edge of Sports Radio. If you hear that voice, you know it is excitement personified time. <laughs> that would be the owner of the New England Patriots, Bob Kraft, a person who stands astride the organization that is at the top of the NFL world, a man who is BFFs with Roger Goodell, and a man who right now is standing above another scandal against his highly besmirched franchise. Besmirched. A couple of observations about Deflategate, Ted Wells' 243-page report. (laughs) First and foremost, I had this vision last night (laughs) of a group of very cute kids, mostly living in the south side of Chicago, who used to play for a team called Jackie Robinson West, (laughs) turning to their mothers and fathers and saying, Mama? Papa? Does this mean that the Patriots will lose their title too? And their parents looking at him and saying, no, son, this is America. Only poor black kids are made examples of and have their titles taken away. (laughs) Billion dollar corporations get to keep their titles, but they do get long reports and mean press conferences. But no, they'll keep their title. Don't you worry. And hopefully the kids would be like, Shoot, I'm not worried. I want my damn title. (laughs) And it just goes to show you, man, the Jackie Robinson West Patriots parallel reminds me of that famous quote about how if you owe a million dollars to the bank, the bank owes you. If you owe $10 billion to the bank, you own the bank. (laughs) So it's just just like the higher you go up on the food chain, the easier it is to cheat. That's the first thing. Second thing is, I could find you guys a report of me on the Chris Hayes show five months ago when this broke. And I was on that show, and I say, look, 
Chris was like, is there anything to this? Will Belichick get in trouble? Will Brady get in trouble? Will Kraft get in trouble? And I say, look, five months from now, we're going to, I said this, I said five months from now, we're going to get a report and we're going to find out that it was Mike and Sully, the equipment guys, and they're going to have to take all the blame. Mm-hmm. The only thing I was wrong about was that it wasn't Mike and Sully. It was Johnny and Jimmy Mack. Mm-hmm. They were the ones who got in trouble. They're the ones at the heart of this. And according to the report, while it strains credulity, this other report says it, it's difficult to believe that Tom Brady was not knowledgeable of what had taken place. Uh, it's also at the same time hard to believe. The report is a, an entire exoneration of Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft because everybody knows Bill Belichick is not what anyone would describe as a control freak. Not big on details, Bill Belichick. More of a big idea man. <laughs> So, of course, that makes perfect sense. And Tom Brady, my God, using his wealth, using his fame, using the fact that he's married to Giselle to make Jimmy Mack and Johnny first love him, and then, according to these text messages, kind of think he's a bit of a douche. And it basically, it runs the goodwill hunting gamut. Like, at first, they're like, my boy Tom is wicked smart. And by the end, they're like, Tom, man, What a jerk that guy is because they knew he was using them, and that's exactly what he did, and he's trying to use them now. He's not only throwing them under the bus, he's throwing them under the bus, rolling back, rolling forward, saying he doesn't even know one of them. He's like, who, Jimmy, I don't know these people. And the entire thing, I think, makes Tom Brady stink to high heaven. It's one of those things where because of this, this report whitewashes his direct involvement, but it also leaves stink on him at the same time. And I think with this report also, it finally answers a question that I think a lot of us had when it first broke. Because it seemed like small potatoes when it first broke. And it also seemed like the sort of thing that every quarterback does. You heard a lot of Patriots defenders say that everybody does this, everybody does this. But the report reveals a couple of things that makes it, to me, transcend that everybody does it type thing. And answers the question about why so many people in the NFL got so mad about this. Because that was the thing to me that was kind of interesting. Because usually NFL players make the police look like blabbermouths. <laughs> like the thin blue line that exists in the NFL mm-hmm. is pretty damn intense. You know, Jameis Winston has off-the-field problems and maturity issues. You know, they'll do anything to defend one of their own without calling things as they are. You had Mark Brunell crying on TV. You know, you had Ray Lewis saying every title is tainted. You don't just have that usually, particularly on Brunell. That was the one where I was like, whoa, you don't have NFL players say things like this. And this report, it just makes you realize like how much the Patriots are viewed throughout the league as people who play it sketchy. One of the things that the report revealed that I thought was actually newsworthy was that the GM of the Colts, Ryan Gregson, said before the AFC Championship game, I want these balls checked. <laughs> and they didn't do it till halftime. So it's like everybody had their eyes on them anyway. And the and it, it strains credulity, frankly, that the Patriots didn't know that Gregson put in that request. So then it speaks to the arrogance of the Patriots themselves. Like the idea that it's their world, their law, they'll land, and they'll do what they want. And guess what? They're going to pay a price for this. I don't know what the price is going to be. But they're going to pay a price. And I have a question for Mark about that price. But before I do, I want to throw it to you, Coach. Any thought 
on Deflategate, on the double <laughs> standards and cheating that exist in this world, and on all the blase blah that comes out of this this uh, small scandal yeah. that I think is probably evocative of something far bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my referee takes over, you know, referee for 30 years. And so you have the rule, which was broken, and a penalty is coming. But the fact that, and people want to use the score, it doesn't matter. The Patriots went 81 to 3. It doesn't, it's immaterial. It is the intent. That's the first thing. All right. I totally agree, by the way. Right. Now, and what do you think? The score argument is such BS to me. I hate that argument. Did, Go ahead. Whether you think it is insignificant, or uh, uh, Tom Brady is, is a HOF, when I say insignificant, the fact that it's a deflating of football. That's immaterial because Tom Brady is a Hall of Fame quarterback with six Super Bowl appearances and four titles. So it was important to him. Mm-hmm. And he knows more than us sitting here ranting from uh, our couch. Um, and, 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 watch, and here's something that, that people aren't talking about. There's, this has been done before because there's no way you decide that I want the balls deflated before a AFC championship game. Right. You don't know where you want it. You don't know how you want it. So this has well. Brady was intimately part of the change in 2007, where right. home teams were allowed yes. to sort of manage their own balls this way. Like he was, he was a lobbyer mm-hmm. amongst the NFL competition committee mm-hmm. almost ten years ago to do this. Right. And so for then him to say that you know deflation, that's not something he thinks about too much. Right. Another one of those, G. Tom, how long is your nose now? Yep, yep, yep. And the fact that you want to say, okay, the 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 technicians or the, uh, the managers did it on their own. Oh, before an AFC championship, Please. they're arbitrarily going to do this on their own. That's crazy. The Wells report, everybody's saying, well, you can't come down too hard on Brady because they didn't definitively say he did it. Well, that's because he lied and, and wasn't forthcoming with all the evidence. That's why. <laughs> am, am I missing something there? No, no, you're not at all. I mean, one <laughs> of the interesting things about the report is that all the guys, you know, Johnny and Jimmy Mack, uh, they were using Patriot cell phones. Mm-hmm. Which meant that they had immediate That's access to them. Exactly. Uh, Tom right. Brady used his own cell phone. Right, right, right. Uh, he didn't even have the good graces to give his buddies a couple of burners. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, In other yeah, words, yeah. my people's on the wire know right. more about how to pull off something <laughs> like this, unless Brady just didn't care. Unless he was thinking, you know what, this is actually how you create scapegoats in this world. Right, right, is right. Is you put it on them. It's a risky move, but when you have someone with the combination of clear entitlement and also clear sneakiness of Tom mm. Brady. That's what these things combine. And we're going to get to Mark after the yes. break, but I want to yes. make this one last point, too. Yep. This is uh, a gut check moment for the man with no guts, and that's Roger Goodell. Oh. So I don't know how one has a gut check when you have no guts, but we all know it. What's the Roger Goodell mantra? We all know it. It's ignorance is no right. excuse. That with the That's right. the mantra. Yeah. Guess what? If he applied that to himself, he would have quit long ago. <laughs> Not at but 44 million. Long ago. But you know what? <laughs> if he applies that to this case, that means Brady's suspended. That means penalties to Belichick. That means penalties to the Patriots organization. Either ignorance is an excuse or it's not. And I don't want uh, stinking Goodell to say, you know what? Ignorance is only an excuse if you're a friend of mine. Mm. This is Edge of Sports mm. Radio. We'll be back with Mark after this. One, one, two, two, don't one, two, move. Three, Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here in Ninja Sports Radio talking about Deflate Gate and Tom Brady's deflated balls. Um, we Stop giggling. Okay. Grow up. How can you not giggle at that? Come on. 
So here, here's the question, though. We were talking before the break. Tom Brady might win this in terms of the report. He might get a small suspension. But he's also a man in his late 30s. And as we've learned from people like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, you never want the scandal at the end of your career. The only thing that buries scandals in sports is years of play that belies scandals. It's what was pushing Spygate in the background, quite frankly. And this, for this to come along after Spygate, I guarantee you, man, if this hadn't have come along, Spygate, no one would be talking about that anymore. Be like, oh, it was years ago, blah, blah, blah. Or this would be like the redemption of Spygate. Like this shows they didn't need to be video, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. All right, here's the question for you, Mark. Yes. Before this broke, post-Super Bowl, there was a new discussion that was, is Joe Montana the greatest quarterback of all time? Or is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? Right. It is a two-person discussion. Peyton faded to the background. Johnny Unitas too far in the background. Steve Young, not enough of a body of work. It is Tom Brady, Joe Montana. I think this scandal permanently places Tom Brady behind Joe Montana. No ifs ands or buts about it. It creates the equivalent of a restrictive wall filled with barbed wire that will forever prevent anyone from saying that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever live, no matter how the last couple years of his career ends. Your thoughts? I think that's interesting. Uh, I think that for a lot of people, for I mean, I guess demographically wise, people that that loved Montana and that sort of time, this is the excuse that it is to to permanently believe that Tom Brady doesn't deserve that spot by mm-hmm. Joe Montana. That if you put the stats next to each other and all these things in modern football and the way that the passing has been kind of very much been uh, put put ahead and put forward through rules and through all these sorts of things, I feel like you're going that Tom Brady. It's going to be this kind of geographical, uh, this geographical thing. You'll have the the Northeast. You'll have these sorts of these sorts of uh, regions that will absolutely believe that Tom Brady is the best forever. But the doubters have everything. It's like everything that they're going to stick by for the rest of forever. Yeah, and you see, here's my my other thinking about it: is smart people who talk about this stuff in a smart way know that statistics are a ridiculous part of this argument. Like I think Joe Montana. He either never threw for 4,000 yards in a season or he right. may have done it once. Just, I mean, statistics and titles, stats and titles are two different things, though. Exactly. That's true. Okay. So put stats out the window that, immediately. Right? So when you talk about greatest quarterback of all time, what we look to are things that are more difficult to quantify than statistics. But we look at things like, st- like titles. Mm-hmm. We also look at things like competition. So the fact that Brady might have four titles and Montana have four titles. Uh, but Brady has more Super Bowl appearances, a lot of people will say also, well, Joe Montana also played in the era of the NFC dynasties. Remember, Bull, the Bears were for one season, the uh, or like a one the one-season dynasty era, I'll call it. Bears, Parcells, Giants, these were one-season dynasties. The, obviously, the Washington football team, mm-hmm. one-season dynasties, teams that were so powerful. And actually, with Washington, you could say a multiply multiple season dynasty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it takes a lot to say that Tom Brady has ever faced the kind of competition that, that Montana did. In that did. same breath, though, you have to say uh, that Montana's 49ers had the same ability to build a dynasty that all their other rivals did. True. 
True. No, no, and that's a part of the factor too. Is that you factor in the ways in which Eddie DeBartolo, the owner of you know of the 49ers, was hardly Mister Clean either in terms of how he ran his operation, and that they could pay as much money as they wanted to to load up in a way that the Patriots didn't, which makes the Patriots' accomplishment. So here's the way I'll distinguish it. I will say that the Patriots' accomplishment this decade, and I say this as someone who's got a lot of problems with the Patriots, big surprise, the Patriots' accomplishment in the last decade far exceeds the accomplishment of the 49ers in the 80s. It's, it's one of the most impressive far things in, in professional it. sports. Absolutely. Far exceeds it, given parity, given the salary cap. But if you're talking about who is better, game on the line, delivering that ball where it had to be for winning time, Shoot, are you going to give it to Cool Joe Montana or are you going to give it to Deflated Balls Brady? You are so flawed on this. Your question is, <laughs> you, matter of fact, you have answered your own question. You just don't realize it. Talk to and me. I'm going to show you why by quoting your favorite athlete of all time, second to, Ma- second to Muhammad Ali. Yeah, who is that? Now, because what you just said about legacy, and that's, this, is, this is driving me up a wall about legacy, it's all going to be in the eye of the beholder, which Mark just said, and what you just said by saying the time and who he played in, in a competition and all, the, all this garbage. When it, when it boils down to if Brady gets five titles or six, he's got five titles or six, and Montana's got four. By the way, you didn't mention Bradshaw with four. Um, does he have four? Yeah, he sure yeah, did. Okay. Four. Yeah, now, here is the deal, and this is your man said this. Bill Russell, the greatest winner, teams, team winner of, of all times, said championships are documented history. Yes. So, if Brady has, Brady has four, he gets another one, five, mm-hmm. or six, that's documented history, can't be changed. All this stuff about legacy, no. where is that on the field? Where no. is that but somebody's opinion, yours, Mark's, mine? Well, first of all, these opinions, on one level, it's barroom conversation, it's blase, blah, blather. But these are also kind of unofficial titles that really do matter. What like is when unofficial you say title? The unofficial title Best of ever. who is the consensus right. greatest quarterback of all time. That's a big deal. Like who is the consensus greatest basketball player of all time. That's a big deal. Like when people said unequivocally, when, mo- when the consensus formed that Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time, even though Bill Russell has more than twice as many championships as Michael Jordan – that was kind of a big deal and that when that consensus actually formed and took shape to the point of which you are arguing against what I would call history to say – and you are arguing against consensus to say Michael Jordan's not the greatest basketball player of all time. It is a counter consensus position. So whoever holds that – there's real power in being thought of as the GOAT. There is a real, real cultural cachet. There is a historical cachet. That's why Muhammad Ali, when he came out with his definitive, uh, incredibly, uh, I thought, you know, over-the-top, uh, coffin-sized book that was put out a few years back. It cost like $1,000. The name of it was Goat. <laughs> Greatest, Greatest of all time. Of all time. Right, right, right. But, like, but here, it's, it, but it's still, it's like you said, it's radio show conversation and, and it's discussion. In the end game, and this is why Bill Russell never gave out autographs. And you know, I'm telling a story for our fans. Never gave out autographs until late in his career when he, went, when he finally went into the Hall of Fame. Because while he was at San Francisco winning gold medals in Rome, Mm, not Rome. No. Okay, winning 56, gold medals yeah. and winning NCAA titles. Do you know he was second team all pack? San Francisco was in the pack at that time to a white guy from another school. 
So that at that point in time, and he was what nineteen twenty, he said, "I will never get into this uh, uh, all star games and uh, get into not uh, signing autographs and so forth and so on." Championships is what it's all about. And whoever, so the conversation starts with the most championships. Brady's legacy is fine. He's got four four Super Bowls, six six titles. Not too many people got there. But we assess these things. I mean, I, I know, I know. But I certainly don't think you would sit there and say. Uh, Bill Russell was a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. He's the greatest winner of all time. He's got 14 championships, various championships, Olympic, NCAA, and, and, and Celtics. Nobody else can touch that. Okay. Yeah, we could go there. Greatest winner of all time. That's it's a fact. totally different question, though, than to I say so who's the everything best else is just, player. Just no, but, I don't, it up. but I also don't think it's just blather, though, because what the blather does is it's like it's like wet cement that hardens. And so eventually it hardens around a certain idea of somebody. For example, at some point this season, I'm not sure when it did, the cement hardened around the idea that this was Steph Curry's season in the NBA. And when that hardened, I can't believe I'm saying hardened, but when that hardened, <laughs> James, nice Harden's, done, <laughs> James Harden's hopes for being MVP dissipated. So even though I would have given it to Steph Curry on like a 51% to 49% kind of vote, the end voting ended up being a landslide win for Steph Curry because the cement hardened. It hardened around the idea in a broader consensus that this was Steph Curry's year, Steph Curry's team, and choosing anybody so you else say, number that, one. You're saying that drove the voting. I'm sorry, guys. I know you guys want to yeah. get in. I'm sorry. So you're saying that drove the voting for his MVP more so than his performance? As much as his performance. Like like this idea yeah. of, of a kind of much that. more abstract consensus, something much more ephemeral, something in the air. And I'm saying that the position of greatest quarterback of all time was in ephemeral flux. It was in ephemeral flux after Brady won that Super Bowl in Seattle. <laughs> and that ephemeral, think of it like a cloud. Think about, think about it like this. Think about it like hardened clay around Joe Montana all of a sudden got wet. You're losing me, and started. No, no, this works. And started to float and move towards Tom Brady and say, well, maybe it's Brady. Maybe it's not Montana. Guess what? I think the news from this last week sent that clay back towards Montana. That's my point. Brady's going to Mon- lose because of the play of football. Is that what you're saying? Yes. In other words, Brady's going to in, in the court of public that's opinion, nonsense. which matters as almighty hell. You're cuckoo. This isn't cuckoo at all. <laughs> I, and, and, I, and because I guarantee if we were able to take a vote of experts before Wells' report, after Wells' report, who's best of all time, I bet it, my prediction is it would have been 55-45 Montana, and now it would be like 80-20 Montana. And, and I would bet you 95% of those people you take about never played on a competitive level beyond intramurals in high oh school. Oh, my God. Our, 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 what is this, 1983? Like, that's not what this Are is we about. still making that argument? If you didn't play the game, blah, 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 yeah, blah. They, they don't Ridiculous. understand the level. There's a, there's Ridiculous. A champion is a, is a hard thing to get to Let me tell you on something. any level. As Howard Cosell said, yeah. I never played the game. And he wasn't just talking about <laughs> on the field. He was talking about the BS jockocracy BS that says that it. if you wow. somehow didn't sweat and bleed and, and you know share a jockstrap with Mike Golick, then you don't understand what it means to actually play football. That is ridiculous. I, about ridiculous. being a championship. We gotta get out of this. Now we're, nah, we're go. going to break right now. We'll I want be some back more of this, baby. With the all mark section. <laughs> Let's go to break. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. 
Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Let's not go where Coach wanted to take us in the break. I'm that Kareem is the, the greatest basketball player of all time. That's another three Kareem minutes. That's another three minutes. Right to you, Mark. First uh, of all, any Brady thoughts before we get to your draft oh, thoughts? I want pick. I want draft. Come on, man. <laughs> man, I don't know. Foot, Straight foot, up draft. No, it's like football is all about this kind of mythology and things like this. If you're talking about legacy, legacy is important. NFL films with the the, right. the inspiring music and things like that. And entertainment. The, uh, entertainment. And this sort of thing is going to hamper that. Right. Whether it's a lot or a little, it's something that people are going to remember. Okay. Yes. That's what I got. It is like a big ding in the side ding? of a Bentley. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, you got your Bentley. It's also got a ding in it. Over to you. <laughs> draft, draft, baby. Come on. So, Mark, up, yeah. the down. NFL on, draft come on, come on. straight up. Cap. I want to hear your thumbs up and thumbs down. We could say to the world before we start that the NFL draft is utterly unconstitutional. Agree. It has no place in a free You're society. You're winning I, me over. I, I it's, love you, it is, um, it's <laughs> profoundly sick. and disturbingly racialized, and mm-hmm. I would argue it's a scam, an absolute scam meant to protect the jobs of millionaire NFL executives because if there's one thing we should know from the National Football League, in, in the case, except for profound exceptions, and those deceptions have um, exceptions, and those exceptions have names like Andrew Luck, Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders. There is no such thing as a sure thing. And so the entire draft process is about trying to quantify the unquantifiable. About uh, trying to say that this person's going to well, be good and this person's not. When the reality is, with the exceptions of the Deons, the Barrys, etc., no one knows Anything, even take even that with, intro, like, Mark. How was that for an intro? Even with that situation, is huge, and and people keep going to Jacksonville, and shockingly, they're not all star players. So mm-hmm. things like that of happen, course. and all this sort of thing. So Talk the about is, the draft, Mark. Don't forget that intro, man. That was a biased intro, intro by here. Why is that a biased? That was a hateful intro. intro. Why it's just say, hateful. Mark? Give me your. You did to me on the NCAAs <laughs> when I when I had my thumbs up. Wow. When you tore down the NCAAs. Mark is the only one who can Talk the NFL draft. What did we see? What happened, man? Forget that. Quantify the unquantifiable. <laughs> See, there you Man, it's, I don't know. Every, every go, year, Mark, every year, I, I love the draft. I watch it every single year. Every single year for about, about two or three years at this point, I, I hear you tear it down. And <laughs> watching it, I, I grew up watching it in uh, Radio City Music Hall, seeing this first year in Chicago with the quantifiable, uh, commodifiable NFL draft. I am starting to. Yeah, Move that's towards. something you can quantify, <laughs> how much money they make by selling I'm, us. I don't game. know. Hearing Roger Goodell shout out Rahm Emanuel before the start of the draft, I can't. I don't know, man. It's I, disgusting. <laughs> it and absolutely disgusting is. because yeah. Roger Goodell is disgusting. Yes. I mean, this is a person without a soul. Dave, I'm fire. It, it, look, I'm just stating the truth. I hear you, bro. Roger Goodell is a, it lives his life but without the, a soul. Roger Goodell I, just did a speech where he said that his daughter who plays soccer has a greater chance of getting a concussion than an NFL player. That's, now you that's can, despicable. One of two things you can get from that. Either he's the worst father in history. What kind of soccer is he making his daughter play? That's one possibility. Or he's lying. So go to you, Mr. I, Mark. I'm, talk to us. Let, let's spin off of the Roger Goodell thing. One of the things that I thought was the most powerful things that happened in the draft was yep. Yep. Roger yeah. Goodell getting booed. Not a lot. Not, it's like not a little bit a lot at the first pick and the second pick and the third pick. 
this is an, in addition to the one time a year where he has a public uh, press conference, unless there's a huge scandal where he has to, to schedule another one. Roger Goodell is in this hermetically sealed bubble where he doesn't have outside criticism, where the public can't go through and talk and voice their concerns to him, except for the draft. And honestly, it was in, there were some cheers because, you know, NFL fans and things like that. But I was surprised and really pleased at the amount of booze, not just at the beginning, but constantly Goodell got every single time he walked up to that podium. Well, you and I both know that it's an NFL draft tradition to boo the commissioner. Did you feel like this year there were more boos than yes. a typical year? Absolutely. Okay, just wanted to be clear about that. What about him botching Mariota's name? Well, I mean, <laughs> he apologized. I mean, how does he, he do not? I, I, mean, I, the, I, I don't know. He, 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 he apologized. win the Heisman Trophy? Um, yeah, Mariota. Yeah, like how can he be? He apologized for that. He also botched Philip after the first round. Oh, did? He also botched Philip Dorsett, the first round pick of the Colts name, and he didn't apologize for that one, though. How did he, what did he call him? Dorset. In a maybe you know what you know what that might be. Tony Dorsett's life has been destroyed through his experience in the NFL. I maybe guess. he has so pushed Tony Dorsett and Tony Dorsett's experience out of his brain. He can only say Dorsett. <laughs> this is this, wow. this is what you're pulling out of this. That's what I'm pulling out. <laughs> okay, of. all right. That's what I'm absolutely. <laughs> So talk to me, sir. People want to okay. know who won the draft, Mark. Who how did the, the team Mark. do? Who won? Who, who lost? Thumbs up, thumbs down, baby. Come on. It's like one. Nobody knows. That's that's <laughs> the, that's the easiest way to say it. It's like nobody knows who won the draft. I can tell you some things that I liked and some things I didn't like about yeah, it. Yeah. What did you like and not like? All right. Let's say I was personally shocked that the Rams made Todd Gurley a uh, first-round pick with the, the number 10 pick of the draft. Mm. Uh, they came into it with three supposedly very good running backs. With, it's like I'm a with, huge Trey Mason It's like fan. with Trey Mason, with Zach Stacy, with Benny Cunningham, all of which who have had success in that system. They draft Todd Gurley, number 10 pick in the draft. After going through and watching some tape, I, I amend my previous statement and say that I think Gurley, when healthy, is a better college running back than Adrian Peterson was as a, mm. as a running back. So I think he wow. has he has the ability to be very good. And the Rams have gone through, and uh, in addition to drafting Gurley with the number 10 pick, they drafted four offensive linemen because their offensive line is terrible. It's like mm. That's a lot of the reason that nobody was able to run there. But they draft a position where they have one of strength. They have uh, Nick Foles, who's not an NFL quarterback, especially not in that system. And and they trade away Zach Stacy for a seventh round pick. I don't think After that was... Stacy demanded it though. Yeah, of so course. I mean, he, I mean poss- possibly so, but he's the number four running back in that depth chart. He he was gonna force his way out. Honest question, am I overvaluing Trey Mason? Maybe because his father was in De La Soul, but I'm like, why would they draft that was my first thought is why do you draft Todd Gurley if you have Trey Mason? Trey Mason was an, like Trey Mason was was in the discussion for rookie of the year in terms of offen- offensively. He was like he was very good and I think he could have been very good as well. But they went with the big name. I seems think. to me like a dime store cheap ass effort to get an identity. That's what it seems yeah. like to me. Uh, Jeff, Bradford, Jeff, Fish, Jeff no Fisher wants a power team. running team. That's no absolutely what he wants. Yeah. So let's run Todd Gurley into the ground like he did Eddie George. Well, they don't have any wide receivers, so or offensive line. Tavon Austin is that a wide receiver? Can he's he fast. Bit? He's a, he's a lesser Percy Harvin, which sounds worse and worse every day. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> All right. Other things you liked or didn't like? All right. I think that the Jets won out again by getting Leonard Williams sliding mm-hmm. to number six, the number six pick of the draft. He was projected by a lot of people. Mel Kiper is the number one player in the draft. Not just Kiper. A lot of people. I'd say yeah. he eventually fell for two for McShay, but. There, it was interesting watching uh, Williams slip while Dante Fowler very much rose uh, in terms of both being defensive ends. Uh, Williams was more of a power guy and Fowler was more of a speed guy. I think that their kind of destinies will be intertwined in, in the future. They'll they'll look at see who, who rises and who falls, and there'll be a lot of reflection on that. My concern as a Jets fan, and other people have said this, is that the Jets are drafting him at a, probably the one place on the football field where they're stacked. Probably so. With Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson. So the question I have for you mm-hmm. 
is does because I don't know enough to answer. Does Todd Bowles? I keep talking about him as being this defensive wizard. Does he have the kind of system that could make use of all of these people, or is this going to be a frustrated Leonard Williams on the bench? I think that there's a different paradigm in the NFL right now. I think if you look at what the St. Louis Rams have done and having a, a, a D-line where every single position goes too deep, in a way where most of them can start in, in like any other, absolutely any other uh, team in the league, I think that that uh, three four line of of the Jets <clears throat> with Wilkerson with Richardson and now with Williams they're going to be able to rotate in fresh guys and that's going to be a huge huge problem for everybody they play because Williams is an every down defensive lineman that's yeah. the thing that's weird to me it's I like mean, him in a substitution pattern it kind of relinquishes one of the awesome things about Leonard Williams I, I I agree I think that's part of it but at the same time it gives them flexibility that if it works out there was talk that they were going to try and flip Wilkerson for for uh, another pick in the draft anyway. And they still have that possibility. It's like trades are more happening more and more often in the NFL now with, with actual proven players. No one wins without a quarterback in this league. No one wins without a quarterback in this league. No one wins without a quarterback. Do you like Bryce Petty as a pick for the Jets? No, I okay. do not. Uh, uh, I think that Bryce Petty uh, is kind of proof. If you look at what happened with the, with the quarterbacks in the draft, the quarterbacks that were drafted with the exception of Mariota played in pro-style offenses in, in college. If you look at Winston, if you look at... Uh, Manny, and if you look at Garrett Grayson in uh, Colorado State, the, the coach now is the head coach of Florida. Uh, players that come in and uh, and actually have played in these pro-style offenses have a leg up. I think if you look at Bryce Petty, Bryce Petty is very comparable to what Alex Smith was in terms of college, and I just mm-hmm. think that's not what the NFL wants right now. With very few exceptions, Andrew Luck, a quarterback will not be successful unless the situation is right for them. Mm-hmm. I think Andrew Luck would have been successful anywhere. I think the number of quarterbacks you can say that about, you can count on one hand. I don't know if I agree with that. But about Andrew Luck? I, I, th- I think, that, oh, the, I I think, think that where you ended up ugh. is important. I was like, if, if he ends up in Jacksonville, does he win in Jacksonville? Yes. Andrew Luck really? wins in Jacksonville. Wow. Etch it in stone. I think he wins in Jacksonville. I, I really do I think he's that special. When you have the right quarterback, they can succeed anywhere. I but but the the number of right quarterbacks I mean honestly you can count on one hand because Drew Brees you know not right in San Diego Aaron Rodgers not right in Green Bay until they had to get Favre out of there you see so it's like the situation really does matter so yes. I ask you this question forget the off the field stuff as much as it poisons me to say that is the Bucks situation good for Jameis Winston? Yes and no, in that he has a lot of uh, very positive weapons. Vince Jackson, Mike Evans, and you've got Austin Safarian Jenkins. Love Mike as, Evans. As a, yeah, I know. They're, they're fantastic. The problem is the, the, the terrible offensive line that was there last year is still there this year. And you still have Winston, who has is, is proven to be mistake-prone. Uh, it's like in college, uh, under lesser opponents, going in and playing in the N- NFC South. I think that, and I heard there was an interesting thing, this is the first time, the, week one of the NFL season is going to be the first time that Winston plays a game from college on where he's played after losing a game. Mm. He'd never lost a game until, until, the, uh, until the Oregon game there. I think that the, the leader in interceptions last year was, uh, was Philip Rivers with 18 interceptions last year. I think that Winston pushes 25. Another question for you. Same premise. Situation, situation, situation. Marcus Mariota, do you like his situation? In Tennessee, I like his makeup. I think that the best thing for him, developmentally wise, is to lose the job to Zach Mettenberger and sit for a while. I don't think that's going to happen. I think in pressure. a lot of uh, pressure, Wizenhunt, the pressure to win is now. They're already talking that he's going to take this job. 
I don't know if that's a good idea. He's going to get banged up for at least a couple years. I don't know if it's necessarily a good situation, but I like him as an overall prospect better than Winston. Okay, include Winston and Mariota in this answer if you like. What quarterback ended up in the best situation to succeed? Sean Mannion. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned, I mentioned it to he, you. Who drafted he, he got drafted in the third round by the St. Louis Rams. I mentioned it, mentioned it to you earlier. He was the, the first quarterback off the board after, uh, after uh, Mariota. So it took a round and a half for it to happen. Third round, again, we talked about Gurley. We talked about the offensive line building. We talked about a, a fantastic defense there. Sean Mannion. Sean Mannion out of Oregon State. Mm. Uh, I, like, I talked him up. We thought you were being a homer. With the homer thing, that's like out of Oregon State that I went to school at, I think that he is set up, maybe not next year, but the year after, to be the starter in a very good system there in St. Louis. Fascinating. Uh, Any questions from you? I'll I'll keep going. I I, I do have one thing I want to talk about. Oh, go for it. I I did want to talk about the Seattle Seahawks and how I was personally a little bit disgusted by their first first pick in the draft. They, again, traded their first-round pick to Jimmy Graham, drafted in the— For Jimmy Graham. For Jimmy Graham. uh, Drafted in the second round. Frank Clark, a defensive uh, lineman out of Michigan, was kicked off the team in November after uh, after uh, being—I guess, after being— Domestic abuse, yes, of domestic, some domestic kind. violence. He he would have been charged with that. And Schneider, the GM of the Seahawks, went through, said that he'd gone through this exhaustive situ- uh, exhaustive investigation. Said that he he cleared him in his mind. He apparently hadn't talked to the two witnesses that were there. It was it, it's disgusting. I'm not happy, and I'm going to cross the Seahawks of teams. I'm going to be rooting for next year. Man, you're going to run out of teams. Sure am. You're sure run am. Out of teams. And also. <laughs> when you're starting to cut out like draft picks and stuff, I mean, you're getting yeah, towards. But a it, pretty... it's it was their first pick of the draft. No, I got you. I got you. I, I have um, faith in the Seahawks. I'm not crossing them off. All right. Um, I can't. I can't go with you there. I'm uh, with you on Ray McDonald. I can't go with you there. And we, that might be a whole separate discussion. Could be. Steal the draft. Steal the draft. Landon Collins, safety, Alabama, first pick of the second round by the Giants. Great pick. So good. You like that. All right, hey, thank you so much, mm-hmm. man, for putting it in common sense for us. Thank you. We'll do it every year. We'll be back after this to mm-hmm. wrap up the show. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Back here on Edge of Sports Radio. So much to talk about. I wanted to talk about my conspiracy theory that Uh-oh. the Patriots and the Red Sox have both cheated their way to championships as a way to, to, to prepare Boston for accepting the 2024 Olympics. Next week. Next week. We'll go there. <laughs> but first of all, it was Pacquiao Mayweather. It was exactly what I thought it would be. It was mm-hmm. a boring fight, and it was a fight that glorified one fighter who uh, is a serial abuser of women and another mm-hmm. fighter who has used his position as a powerful politician to deny birth control uh, to low-income women in the Philippines. So it was nothing I wanted to be a part of. It was nothing I was going to engage with. And then something interesting happened, though. I was uh, headed towards Baltimore, and I got a phone call from some street activists amidst the Baltimore uprising, and they said to me, Dave, do you think you can help us do something? I said, what? I said, well, you know the curfew's going on. I said, yep, the curfew is going on. We want to show Mayweather Pacquiao like on the side of a building and have people come out of their homes to watch Mayweather Pacquiao and have that be a method of getting people to break curfew. I put hours into this project, trying to find an industrial projector, trying to find the right kind of building in Baltimore, this, that, and the other. It eventually got kiboshed for two reasons. First... I was on edge about doing it, and I was probably not going to do it because there's an organization in Baltimore that that does a lot of the work, and they approached me, and they said that they didn't want uh, people from outside the community doing stunts that might get people in trouble. 
And I said, hey, community always makes the first call. If you don't want this done, I won't do it. And as I was trying to find the people who they were talking about to explain to them their position, they all got arrested at like 10.01 <laughs> for breaking the curfew. Like there was, wow. I mean, and this is because, you know, they had just gone public the previous day with the charges, uh, Marilyn Mosby, uh, the prosecutor, and the police were not playing mm-hmm. the p- police like just arrested everybody including our friend charles modiano shout out mm-hmm. modi had to spend the night in prison uh using a, a a piece of bread as a pillow no don lemon that's not funny i know you think it is but it's not um so this is what we were dealing with and so i actually did end up almost watching the fight on the side of a building in baltimore hmm. Probably best for all concerns that it didn't happen, but it was funny to me that after all my boycott talk, uh, that the uprising almost brought it to, to full. So that's my story. It obviously has a lot more ins, outs, and what haves you. Maybe for next week we'll talk it. For all my peoples here, I'm Dave Zirin. We are out of here. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.